Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. All of you brought your flyers back from last week that I gave you, because I gave them out last week, and so you don't get a new one this week. But I do have something I want to share with you. So, if you have those notes from last week on how to pray for missionaries, the reason that's so important is because you are one. You are a missionary. You may be a home missionary, but you are a missionary. If you're not a missionary, you're a mess. You're supposed to either be a missionary or a mission field. You're supposed to either be reaching somebody or somebody should be reaching you. Don't that make sense? Because if you're not reaching somebody, somebody needs to reach you to convince you that you should. And so we've gone through some ABCs and got all the way down to even the open door. But I do want you to see here, um, of course, in Scripture, don't have time to cover everything, of course. Uh, But while we're right here, look there in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you'll notice the apostle Paul had a lot of things going on, and he depended upon people. And he says here in verse 6, And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. In other words, I might come and spend the winter with you. (laughs) How would you like to have company call you up and tell you that? And then when I get ready to leave, you can help take and send me on my journey. Isn't that bold? But you see, Paul led these people to the Lord, and he expected things from them. And he had no problem laying on them the responsibility that was theirs. And then notice what he says here. This is a a tremendous verse. In verse 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. In other words, there's a great opportunity, but a lot of problems. Anytime you and I decide to serve the Lord, you might as well expect you may have an open door, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a free sailing. You're going to have problems. Any person who wants to serve the Lord must understand the devil is going to do everything in his power to keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. It's not going to be a free ride. Salvation is a free ride only because Christ paid for it. But now that you have eternal life and you're God's child, it is the will of God that you serve the Lord. And if you're going to serve the Lord, there is a price to pay, and the devil is going to try to discourage you somehow. I do recommend that if um, you're not here on Wednesday night, 
uh, to get a copy of the last three Wednesday nights on depression. You say, well, I'm not depressed. If you get discouraged, you're depressed. If you think of quitting serving the Lord, you're depressed. If you are talking about being burnt out, you're depressed. So you need that, those messages. It would really help you, I believe. So you and I know that as a child of God, we are going to have open doors. God will open the doors for us, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. And sometimes those problems convince us, well, we shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. A lot of people have committed themselves to go to the mission field, believing this is the will of God for me, and then problem after problem after problem. And so they say, well, I guess it must not be the Lord's will because of all the problems. Not necessarily. Be wise. Now take your Bible and turn to the 100th Psalm. The 100th Psalm. And you'll notice down there where it has the word thankful heart. Thankful heart. This is one of the key ingredients of staying happy and serving the Lord. Learn to have the joy of the Lord. Whenever you consider yourself, are you a joyful individual? Or pretty much, are you a, a down and outer? I mean, do you carry a smile on your face or you usually have a frown on your face? If somebody looked at you, would they think you're filled with the joy of the Lord or you, you've got a real problem? How do, they, how do they read you? Well, look here at the 100th Psalm. First time I ever heard the 100th Psalm was my wife quoted it. And I couldn't stand it. Uh, I forgot where we were, and somebody said something, and she had to she she just she just quoted the the hundred psalm. I think it was at our Northside Baptist Church, but it was back in about nineteen sixty one to something like that. And anyway, she just she just quoted the verse of the whole psalm. But anyway, look there at this verse. In verse one, make a joyful noise unto the Lord when everything is going your way. Isn't that what it says? No, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. In other words, God wants everybody everywhere to praise the Lord. And then look what he says in verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You know, it's hard to do that when you're always down and discouraged and so forth. Somebody, I think it might have been Betty. This morning, I come, every time I come into the church here, I either come in that door or I'll come in this door, and I'll, I'll sing. There's just something about walking into this place. I just want to sing. And, uh, and Lord willing, and it's, it's always the best when nobody else is here. Because sometimes I forget about other people being here. But anyway, it's just I love to sing. I used to go elk hunting every year. And once in a while, I take my son with me. And after about an hour or two, he said, Daddy, you're not going to get anything. I said, why? He said, because you've got to stop singing. <laughs> I'm going through the woods. I got my gun on my shoulder. And just a singing, till the, you could hear me a mile away. I get on top of those mountain peaks. See, out there, we go hunting. We go looking for the animal. Here, you wait, and the animal comes looking for you. That is not my way to hunt. I like to go out there in the woods and Trapes you all over the place and looking, trying to find one, sneaking up on one. I don't want one sneaking up on me. I want to sneak up on it. But anyway, I, I, loved, I loved to hunt, and I had to figure out I've got to 
be quiet. I only, uh, maybe that's why I've only got one elk in 18 years. But I got a lot of deer. They, they like my singing. But here in this verse, look in verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. I'm a self-made man. Well, you quit too soon. And he says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And look at those two words. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. And this is a good psalm. This is a tremendous psalm. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. And a lot of people are not thankful to the Lord. Remember, I made a statement not long ago that what if you only had tomorrow what you were thankful to the Lord for today? You may not have much tomorrow, but since you have so much today, be thankful for it. Don't whine about what you don't have and how something didn't work out, but think of how many things do work out and how many things that you do have that you ought to be, you're blessed and to thank the Lord for it. Verse 5, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. You see, if this is the way I'm supposed to be, this is why we pray for the missionaries that they will stay thankful on the foreign fields. Because it's so easy to get down and discouraged. And that's why if we take on a missionary and we help them, we want to continue to do so. Uh, I would hate for our missions given to go down to where they're not getting enough and, and they're counting on it. You know, they depend upon it. So I'm, I'm thankful that we've done what we've done. And uh, y'all have been tremendous in that. And I thank the Lord for you. But anyway, I want you to look at another statement here. The unsaved pray that the missionary will remember. And you ought to underline this primary goal. The primary goal. Keep the main thing the main thing. And it's so easy to get so busy doing so many things that you never have time to share the gospel with anybody. I get thrilled every week just listening for the report to come in from Friday night soul winning. And you never know. Sometimes they'll have 15. Sometimes they'll have 20. Sometimes they'll have 25. One night they called and had 28. And then they blew me clean out of my lounge chair last night, Friday night. Peter calls up and he says they had 77. That's the teenager. And I said, how many went? A hundred? He said they had about 11, something like that, that went so winning. And um, they had a tremendous time, and they, they hit a hot spot. You ever go fishing, and you just hit a hot spot? And then sometimes you go fishing, and you get a couple little bites, and then you move to another plot, and a couple little bites, or you finally pull one in, one little one in, and then nothing else. And then sometimes you just hit into a school of them, and you just go wild. Well, they hit some teenagers at a uh, park or something like that, at a carnival. So uh, I praise the Lord for that. And, uh, but those are the kind of things I love to hear about. Because, see, when everything else is all over and all the problems that you have, when you get to heaven and those people are going to be there because somebody went and told them how to have eternal life, that's a wonderful thing. Some of you don't know that, uh, believe it or not, we did have a wedding here on uh, Friday, Friday afternoon, 4.30. And um, I'd been talking to this couple for a good while, almost a year. So we, um, uh, you know, made sure that they trust the Lord. And, and I says, now, you know, I don't, I don't do a wedding unless I explain the gospel. And that, that, that no problem. 
And so, but at a wedding, I, I don't use a raise of hand, but I try to make it you know, clear. But I had come in, and uh, there was a, a guy sitting right back there, right exactly where Ishmael is sitting. And I walked in, and I looked at him, and he was there to run the sound, so the girl was going to sing, you know. And so I, I walked by him. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. I said, you're here early. He says, i got to run that sound thing for the girl that's coming to sing. I said, well, can, let, me, let me ask you a question. I said, what kind of a church do you go to? He says, I don't go to church. He says, I'm an agnostic. I says, an agnostic. I said, that means without knowledge. I says, that means you don't have enough evidence to make a decision. He said, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. I says, well, um, let me run two things by you. So anyway, I <laughs> have, haven't you always heard all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? He said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, let me ask you another question. I said, if he paid for all of our sins, I said, then why are you going to go to hell? Why would I go to hell if he paid for it? And he's just like a blank stare. You know, most people, they never think this through. They don't think about that. I says, it's because you don't believe he did it for you. I talked to him a little bit more, and buddy, he just lit up. He trusted Christ as Savior. He was thrilled. By the time he walked out of here, he was both arms like this here, you know. We give him CDs. I gave him I, Hank Lindstrom's little CD on, you know, on How Permanent Your Salvation. I think it's great. So we gave him that one, gave him a, a little, some tracks and the church flyer and all that. And you never know. He just liable to show up here some Sunday. But it is important. We have been given a wonderful, wonderful message and it's the most powerful thing in all the world. But the primary goal is still always soul winning. Uh, look at the next statement. And that is the victory. Pray that the missionary will know victory in spiritual warfare. Because you see, almost all of our problems are spiritual problems of how you handle it. And if you're spiritually strong, you can face anything. It's just that problems reveal how weak we are sometimes. And missionaries on the foreign field, they got to go through the same thing. But sometimes they don't have, you know, they can't huddle around with all the people who know and understand what they're going through because they're on the foreign field. And sometimes they don't have, you know, the friendships or the fellowship with other people that are got a, a deep knowledge of God's Word and can really be a blessing to them. So that's why little notes and things like that and, uh, can always help them and to pray for them. So it's a very important thing. Uh, the other thing is um, weariness. Now, we know nobody here gets weary. I mean, these are not things we would apply to ourselves, right? But weariness, they get bogged down doing petty things, little things. And uh, this used to just irritate me to no end. Because I would rather, rather, just my wallet in my hand and uh, preach the gospel all the time. But it's, it's, that's not reality. you still got to do all these other things. Your car still breaks down. you got to go get gas. I hate getting gas. I despise stopping and getting gas. I feel like that's the biggest waste of my time. But then I realize if I don't get gas in this car, this car's not going to go. And this car don't go, I don't go. So i got to do that. I really now, I do enjoy eating, but I, I, I hate stopping and taking the time for eating. But I, would, I do it because I know i got to eat or i die. And I don't want to die yet. And... And, and I tell Betty, I says, honey, it's a shame to have to take a bath. I'm just going to get dirty again. I, I hate shaving. I, I don't like to shave. 
And I got to shave. Every, I said, honey, I don't want to shave this. She says, you're the preacher. Honey, but I don't want to shave. She says, it's your image. Oh, this image. And I got to shave. And sometimes I just, I hate to shave. And as much as possible, I don't, I don't like coats and ties. But all these things are things that I have to do. But it doesn't mean I have to enjoy doing them. I, the Bible says, endure all things. It did not say enjoy all things. Well, it does say to rejoice always, so I try to find a way to do that. But you and I, it's so easy to get weary in well-doing. Just keep on doing what's right. And some things you just got to remember, the priority, keep the main thing, the main thing. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention to you, and I want you to take your Bible and look at this. Look in the 139th Psalm, the 139th Psalm. Because this is where you talk about your x-ray vision, x-ray vision. Now, you and I may not have the x-ray vision, but I know somebody who does. He can see everything, everybody, everywhere. And, buddy, he really knows us. But look how he uh, prayed here, David did in the 139th Psalm. Look in verse 23. And you want to do this, and you want the missionaries to always keep examining themselves. See, in verse 23, search me. O God, and know my heart. Try me. means test me and see if I'm not real. But test me. Know my thoughts. My thoughts about God, about the mission field, uh, everything that I'm doing. My motives. And then he says here in verse 24, And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the path of everlasting. In other words, I want to do what's right. But I know I have a wicked heart, and I'm trusting and looking to you to reveal things to me that I may not be aware of so that I can make the right decision. And that's something that all of us needs to do. Uh, the next thing is to be yielded to the Lord. And if you read the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, you'll find the word yield, 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 all the way through it. So you're to submit yourself to the Lord, not fight the Lord. The, the word zeal down here, it talks about that in the book of John in chapter 2, about the zeal of the Lord hath eaten me up. And uh, how, why Jesus got kind of, you would say, bent out of shape because of seeing the, the money changers in the temple and all the things that they were doing and what's going on. And he says, you've taken and made the house of prayer into a den of thieves. Anyway, he got upset. But there's a zeal, a zeal that you and I ought to have in serving the Lord. See, it's one thing to have the zeal, the desire to want to do something, and then you don't have the knowledge to do it. That leads to frustration. But if you had the knowledge to do everything, but no zeal, then what's good is the knowledge? So you want the knowledge, and you want the zeal. The desire to want to do something with your life, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, and to fight a good fight. Now, I... um gave you these uh, two poems because I wanted to read to you because uh, the statement that's down there in the last one, that the missionary will be a flame in the wind, a flame in the wind. So a few years ago, I, I wrote a couple of little poems. One is called The Flame in the Wind to uh, Dr. Curtis Hudson. Dr. Curtis Hudson and I had the opportunity to speak together, preach in these short conferences. And he got his doctorate from Florida Bible College, and the man was 
clear on the gospel, and he took a stand, and he suffered uh, some persecution from a lot of independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, missionary-minded Baptists, too. And they really took him to task because he would come out in the sword of the Lord that salvation is very simple, very clear, just believe, no turning from sin, and explain repentance. And he would take things right out of the personal evangelism handbook and put it in the, the sword of the Lord. It went all over the world. Well, there's a lot of preachers that preached that, and they didn't like that. And uh, he told them about lordship salvation. You don't make Christ the Lord and the master of your life in order to be saved. Well, they didn't like that. And so Dr. Hudson took a strong stand. And he was 60 years old and found out he had cancer. I was preaching with him in March. I forgot the year. But it was in um, San Antonio, Texas. And uh, he had just finished up speaking that night. And Tuesday night. And he uh, got a phone call that he had to leave. And uh, that his dad had just passed away with bone cancer. Three months before, he had just buried his brother with bone cancer. And so he got in the car, and it was raining, and it rained all the way on him. He had to drive from San Antonio, Texas. He went through uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, picked up his wife, and then headed on over there to Carolina, I think, someplace. Anyway, he got over there, did the funeral for his dad. And his wife, sweet woman, she says, Curtis, don't you think you need to be checked? Honey, I'm fine. I'm healthy. And he was. He looked sharp. He was 60 years old, but he really looked good. And we played golf together, and he didn't have a pain. He didn't look bad. He felt great. And she just wouldn't let up, and she just kept hammering him. And so finally, when he came down here to Florida to preach, he went to see the doctor. And when he went to see the doctor, the doctor looked at him and says, um, do you realize you've only got about six months to live? And he's sitting there looking at the doctor, and he's, he feels fine. He says, you're, you're eating up with cancer. And, of course, you know what that does to the woman. Well, it shocked the man, too. So he went on this crash diet. I mean, he started eating carrots. Me and Betty went by to see him one time, and he was sitting out on the back porch, and he had some horses down there. That beautiful little ranch house up there in Murfreesboro. And he's sitting out there, and he has a bowl of oatmeal. This bowl of oatmeal was huge. So he's eating all these, this oatmeal. Then we saw a, a, a basket full of carrots. And I says, well, those for the horses? He smiled and says, no, they're for me. He was eating so many carrots. Even his skin turned yellow. And he was doing everything he possibly could to try to counteract the cancer. But he had waited too long. He bought a little time, but two years later, he passed away. And um, so I wrote this. I had a beautiful little plaque, had a little flame on it, you know, flame in the wind. What went you out to see? A reed shaken by the wind. Not this man from Tennessee. To the spirit only would he bend. Oh, my friend, what went you out to hear? The gospel of grace made crystal clear. Salvation by grace, tis the gift of God. Rewards are earned, but rebellion the rod. 
The eyes of God ran to and fro to a man with a heart of fire, a burning passion to reach the lost and make this blaze the saint's desire. The flame has died down, but sparks shot up to descend, blown upon by the breath of God to produce more flames in the wind. The sword of the Lord was the power of the pen, but Dr. Curtis Hudson was the flame in the wind. A living sacrifice on the altar was laid. Hot coals from the altar and revivals were made. O Lord, this offering was burnt up for thee. His reward shall be great, but his salvation was free. But anyway, Dr. Hudson was a, a good friend. He loved the Lord. And you often wonder, you know, well, I do, what they're doing now that they're in heaven. You know, like Hank now, he's up in heaven. Sometimes I wonder what in the world they're doing. Or can they really see and know what we are doing down here? Or if we lead somebody to the Lord, are they still jumping and hollering and yelling and shouting all over heaven? I don't know, but I, I believe it's a joyous occasion. And um, But see, whether or not in this life you are appreciated doesn't really matter. It's whenever you leave this world and you get to heaven and... Your father says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When God puts his praise, honor, and glory up on you for what you've done and all the sacrifices you made, do you think it's going to be worth it then? I think it'll be worth it. On the back of this, I wrote a, a little poem about a guy named Ray Stanford. You ever heard of him? I had the opportunity at the time that I had wrote this poem. It was just a couple years before this. Uh, Ray was 79 years old at the time. and I had him come up to Georgia, and because we had the TV ministry, I, uh, I said, Ray, I said, I got a camera right here, and I said, I'd, I'd like to um, just interview you. I just want to ask you some questions, and you just answer them. And I said, uh, just to put it all on tape. I said, because someday down the road, it might be worth having and to let people know because, you know, you're not going to live forever. He says, I'm only 79. Yes, sir. And I uh, says, I, uh, I want to do this. I says, would you, would you mind if I did it? And he says, no, let's go for it. So anyway, he came to the church and we had a little table sitting there and we had the camera set. And uh, I don't remember who run the camera. Did you, did you do it? <laughs> My wife did. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm talking back and forth with Ray. And, and by the time we got through, we had a couple hours of just going through everything. And as I know of, well, I know it's true. I'm the only one that has it, that have all of this documented about Ray Stanford, how Ranch got started, about the Jim Tingen story, how the college got started, the church. And all these things, that, I, I got it all on tape. And I have spent quite a few hours getting it edited down to where I could present it. So it's in four parts. The first part, I'm going to show it tonight. And I want you to hear the interview, what was said. And uh, because you see, the reason it's important is because whether you know it or not, it's your heritage. 
Ray Stanford is the one that led Dr. Hank Lindstrom to the Lord. Dr. Stanford is the one who trained me. And everything we've done since then is because of what we learned from this man. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me